Hello and welcome to another episode of Learning Rewired, where leaders are challenged to rethink what, how and why they and their organizations learn. Learning Rewired is a collection of interviews and conversations with leading minds and progressive thinkers in the multiple domains influencing personal and organizational transformation. Learning Rewired is proudly presented by Headspring as a free contribution to fostering cultures of continuous learning. I'm your host, Bevan Rees. The topic of today's discussion is AI, how it impacts executive learning, whether it is really the next big thing, or is it something more? To help me answer these questions, I have with me today, Joel Hellemark, CEO of Sauna Labs. Joel, welcome to Executive Learning Rewired. Thank you so much for having me. So, Joel, I'm, I'm really excited to explore this today. AI obviously has, for some time, had a lot of attention, but especially over the last six, seven months, AI has got increasing amounts of attention just uh, by virtue of the integration with, A, the uh, health crisis that originally started, and AI technology and robotics were used across the world, especially in countries like China, to help with diagnosing and also the distribution of COVID-19. But increasingly, as we've moved into new phases of this, of this crisis, and also the total change in the spread of workforces to almost entirely remote workforces, as we currently have them now, and with that, all the processes of business and operation and organizational operation, AI has begun to play a more systemic role than anyone would have expected a year ago. And I'd love to just get your, you know, as a starting point, what your views are on how AI has played a role over the last six months, six, seven months, and, and how you see that specifically applying to executive learning and corporate learning. Uh, essentially, one of the, the core, uh, core areas which we've seen very, very closely is, is the applications of, of AI to learning during this crisis. One of the grand challenges was upskilling the global health uh, workforce to, on treatment and prevention of COVID-19. And in the role of that, we had to quickly identify what was the current knowledge level of each health worker. Um, and after that, provide them with a personalized curriculum that would allow them to quickly master the necessary skills. But equally, it's really important that they not only master, but also retain these skills. So what we found was that the AI could model how the information would be forgotten and then repeat it at the optimal intervals. So truly playing a key role. But I also think on other aspects, like everything from the diagnostics um, to also uh, as part of the treatment and, and predicting uh, the optimal treatments, AI played a, played a key role. And, and speaking with some of the larger organizations, we saw that they were allocating uh, big portions of their engineering teams to support the hospitals um, in the development and the application of, of this uh, AI technology. So I thought, think it was extremely powerful seeing how, how quickly um, AI could be applied to, to help in this difficult situation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there we, we, if I'm hearing correctly, Joel, we're talking about an overlap of, of essentially two primary industries, healthcare and education, and how AI is providing a bridge to allow the effective integration um, of those two industries and the, and the outcomes that are required between the two of them. But before we get there, Joel, I wonder if we could 
let's explore a little bit by what we mean by AI. I, mean, I, th I think it's you know, anyone who's done any research into AI will know that there are often quite different interpretations on the term itself. So when you speak about AI, what do you mean? I see the, the meaning of AI as the ability to effectively act on a stream of data. And AI can have a host of, uh, of subsets. So one of those is uh, the area of machine learning and the subset of machine learning is, is deep learning. And in that subset, we, we learn from massive data sets to, to predict um, and act on this data effectively. But you can also do that in a more rules-based fashion where you see applications like bots or others where you have uh, expert-based systems that are completely hard-coded, but in the same sense, they, they take a stream of data and then they act on that in an automated fashion. Um, okay, Joel, thank you. I mean, that, that's very useful in terms of understanding artificial intelligence. What about the term that I've also heard connected to this, augmented intelligence? At the beginning of, uh, and sort of at the initialization of the term AI, you had two schools. One school which was working on augmenting human intelligence and and one which was trying to replicate it using computers. And the idea of augmenting human intelligence is how can you really use what the computers do really well, but then have a human in the loop uh, that can be augmented uh, using the computer's capabilities. Mm. We see that, for example, in analytics, where the computer can process massive amounts of data, take out trends, anomalies, and then a human can look at those trends and anomalies and make the, the, the most uh, effective actions on top of them. So if, if I'm understanding correctly, Joel, if you combine those, those two approaches, you have this really powerful cohesive system that allows you to, on the one hand, automate human decision-making, or even in some cases, completely uh, remove the need for human decision-making um, and make better decisions on the basis of data using computer technology. And on the other hand, we have better insights so humans can actually make better decisions in the moment in an ongoing way. That's right. And you see it as two parts of, of the learner experience. For the learner, they want to be able to get real-time responses to their search results. They might start using search, uh, search boxes in, in more advanced fashions. With Google today, you ask questions to the search box and you expect a real-time response. And, and that's where AI plays a role. But then you go to the analytics dashboards where you might have educators that want to review, are there any areas that their learners are struggling with? Are there any interventions that they should make in order to drive engagement? And that's an example of augmented intelligence. Mm. So Joel, you touched there on some of the roles in, in the learning process and you know, we'll circle back on that in a moment. But first I just want to, focus on this particular application of AI and augmented intelligence. So AI has already, already has a lot of applications in industry like automotive, finance, healthcare. What are your views on its applications so far in corporate learning? Is this an underutilized technology, a misunderstood technology, or is this a technology that's just evolving really quickly, but it's just not been at the peak that it's about to achieve? It's still very much in its infancy when it comes to corporate learning. And I think eventually it will become ubiquitous in all the areas of uh, how we deliver training. Everything from the learner experience, uh, improving the content recommendations, giving you real-time uh, nudges, uh, helping you answer any questions you might have about the content, uh, providing you with analytics on how you best learn and, and what areas you're struggling with. 
and equally for for the educator where they can get help creating the content in a data-driven way they can get gain insights on how they could make a question less confusing they can gain insights on how they can improve uh, uh, recommendation and even receive uh, automated uh, content uh, analytics and improvement uh, ideas uh, and, and then I think the third bucket there is around the learning analytics where they can get an insight on who is struggling with what, uh, predict who will fill the course before they do, and do the, uh, take the accurate interventions on, on top of that. So what I'm hearing is this, it almost creates this constantly self-evolving ecosystem where learners have a lot of autonomy over their own learning journey in an increasingly insightful way. Educators have an increasingly autonomous and insightful view of the learning journey and how to improve. And then the ecosystem itself is generating analytics that allow it to constantly improve. So that, that sounds amazing, Joel. I mean, you know, often we, we hear and, and practitioners are looking out for the next big thing in learning. Do you feel that AI is positioned to be that or is it something more than that? I think AI will, will ultimately um, empower us to, to create better learning experiences, but it's really a, a tool to enhance uh, rather than something that will fundamentally uh, change every aspect of, of learning. So what we're mm -hmm. seeing today is that uh, all learning had to be moved to online. And I think we realized that the learning experiences that we were delivering online were not as interactive, not as personalized as we had hoped for. And there AI can play a role to enhance, but it's certainly not a silver bullet, but a, a part of the, of the puzzle uh, that, that we ha have to lay to, to create these effective online learning experiences. Mm. So you mentioned the, the, the recent need for us to optimize the digital learning experience. So I think anyone listening to this is obviously very familiar, from probably in a very practical way with the challenges of having to move entire workforces onto digital platforms and into digital learning, probably long before everyone was anticipating the need to do this in such a broad fashion. So beyond the need to deliver exceptional digital learning experiences, are there any other reasons that companies have to really consider augmenting their learning processes with better tools and better technologies like artificial intelligence? Certainly, and we see in a range of different industries the, the ever-increasing skill gaps uh, that, that we're encountering with uh, emerging exponential technologies. And, and uh, as, as those skills gaps keep increasing we need efficient ways to to stay up to speed um, if we just take the the uh, medical researcher you have medical knowledge doubling every three months and in that world we need a tool that can effectively identify what we know what we need to learn and then get us there so kind of if you think about the uh, the experience uh, trend, uh, historically with with the transit you had to um, go to a bus, you had to go to a specific spot and then that bus would take you somewhere else and then you join there um, and then you have to make a switch to the subway for example. And then we had Uber that could pick us up anywhere and then uh, uh, drop us up uh, at any, uh, any location. And I think similarly we'd want the, the equivalent in a learning system that can pick us up where we're at and then drop us up off where we need to be. And uh, that's uh, uh, playing an even, even more important role today um, as we see these skill gaps uh, increasing and uh, 
and uh, where there's meaningful risks if, if we don't manage to stay up to speed. Yeah, I mean, companies and organizations are really taking a much bigger and more important role in the education of their employees, aren't they? So many, many of the traditional roles of learning institutions are now being replaced by, by companies, aren't they? Indeed. In, in many sectors, you have companies who've essentially taken the roles of universities. You have the Netflix school of thought in, in how they do, do HR. You have Apple and their design philosophy. You have Tesla and autonomous driving. And uh, if someone has worked at one of those places, you'd probably take that um, as your clearest signal over any previous education that they had. Increasingly, I'm seeing companies play that role of universities where they train you in their specific way of thinking and you get to learn design in the Apple way, autonomous driving in the Tesla way or uh, technology in the Google way. Mm -hmm. And thus, that might be the way of the future where uh, companies uh, essentially replace institutions. Point very well made about the, the importance of companies taking roles of universities and developing self-focused and self-sustaining learning processes within their organizations. For some of our listeners who might not be working at Google or Tesla, for example, are there certain types of learning or certain types of focus areas that are better suited to AI-driven learning? Or is this a technology that you can apply regardless of the content of the learning or the theme of the learning itself? For, it, it really depends on, uh, on uh, uh, where you're driving impact with AI and the learning experience. I think for, for the authoring part, that's really going to transform how we author any educational content. We need more efficient ways, more pedagogical ways of, uh, of writing high quality educational content. And their AI could nudge us to improve uh, how we create that content. But then you have the specifics around adaptive learning technologies. And that might be more complicated areas where you want the content to really be mastered and retained. Uh, if you take a concept around some aspects of leadership training, uh, you might, uh, the, the biggest part of that training might just be going through it and, and making the reflections, but you don't necessarily have to re uh, memorize every fact of, of that specific training. But if you take other areas like in healthcare, for example, where you have knowledge, which is key to a nurse to remember and retain, then it's really important that uh, that, that content is, is truly mastered. Um, and then you have the analytics uh, bits and, and they're uh, identifying the, the patterns, identifying what are the, how can I improve my courses, um, who is falling behind, what, rec what content should I recommend to who. I think equally that's uh, applied to a broad range of, uh, of, of do domains. So it depends on, on, uh, on which subset of AI applied to learning uh, that you're dealing with. If it's adaptive learning, then... Uh, there's a niche of use cases where that's really helpful. Uh, but if you're speaking about AI more broadly, I think it could be helpful in, in all of them. Joel, are there any particular applications, any particular fields of learning that you have seen AI have particularly good results? Indeed, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of use cases where, where uh, these adaptive learning technologies can help us quickly master the skills that we need to learn. We saw that most recently with uh, COVID-19, where hospitals had to master 
everything from uh, uh, the mechanical ventilators to um, how to diagnose uh, COVID-19. And in that case, the nurses would start at fundamentally different knowledge levels. Some knew 30% of the content, others 60, and a few were brand, uh, the concepts were brand new to. And in that case, having the ability to quickly identify what the knowledge level of each, each nurse is, and then personalize the curriculum accordingly to really focus on their specific knowledge gaps I, I, I saw it playing a, a really important uh, role. And there's a host of those use cases where the entry level for each person is fundamentally different and this kind of personalization becomes really core. Mm. And in terms of that, that personalization, Joel, I mean, if we go to a, a kind of a very, almost a biological level, is there a connection between neuroscience and the way that these learning interventions are designed or the operations of AI within these learning interventions? Learning science plays a very core role in how these uh, personalized learning technologies uh, are, are implemented. Uh, the first concept that's used a lot is, is the notion of spaced repetition, where Hermann Ebbinghaus in the 19th century discovered that if you increase the intervals between which you present information, uh, that information is retained significantly longer. So the ability to model how a learner will forget concepts and then repeat them at the optimal intervals can allow for us to improve knowledge retention. Uh, the second aspect is, is, is that, that of uh, uh, optimal difficulty and, and the notion of flow, where we found that on average, when learners have around 70% probability of getting questions correctly, that's when they stay the most engaged. So it's neither too hard or too easy. And if we can make sure that they're at their level of challenge, then we can ultimately drive engagement and improved uh, learning outcomes. So there's a range of, of, uh, of, of truths we've found in learning science that are now being combined with machine learning to provide the benefits of them at scale. So Joel, I mean, they, they sound like there are some profound upsides, of course, to the use of AI in optimizing learning interventions with, within corporate environments. Is there potentially a dark side? They are obviously cynics who have a lot to say about the, the bad potential of using AI. And we've seen some of that uh, with quite high-profile high media coverage of applications, AI applications that have involved prejudice or racism or sexism, etc. Are, are these just natural growing pains um, in the development of a new technology? Or are there some areas or some potentials for AI that learning professionals need to consider when implementing solutions? It's indeed a very profound risk. But uh, equally, I think it's an opportunity because the risk is that these uh, models mirror uh, how humans have acted on these, in these data sets in the past. And that also allows for, for the opportunity to remove those biases. So ultimately, I'm hopeful that the models that we develop will be less biased than humans because we have the opportunity to, to remove uh, those specific data points, make sure that not data points that shouldn't be in, uh, included in a decision are, and so on. It's indeed a very meaningful risk and something that we pay, pay close attention to, uh, but also uh, ultimately an opportunity to, to remove those biases. Fantastic. Joel Hellemark, thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you for joining Learning Rewired. Thanks a lot. It's been good fun. Thank you for listening. 
For more on our guests and the resources described in this podcast, please refer to the information section of your podcast player. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe to receive updates and latest episodes of Learning Rewired. Brought to you by Headspring.